Welcome to the High Road to Leadership. I'm your host, Beverly Lewis, and I am so honored to have Dr. Toby Travis in the studio today. But before I introduce him, I just want to remind all of you that one of the reasons I'm so passionate about sharing uh, the the wisdom and knowledge of guests, as well as when I do my solo podcast, is I believe everything in the world rises and falls on leadership, and the world is in need of a new kind of leader right now. We need uh, leadership desperately. And let me let me go ahead and introduce you to our amazing guest today. I'm very thrilled that Dr. Travis is with us. Um, he has a, a varied background, a fascinating background, but it grabbed my attention right away that he has written an award-winning book called Trust Ed, The Bridge to School Improvement. And yes, he's an educator, but his teaching and training and wisdom and insights on trust apply to everything in leadership. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Travis. Thank you, Beverly. Oh, great to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to have the chat. Well, I tell you, one of the things before we dig deep into trust, let I'd love to hear pieces of your leadership journey because when I heard heard your story, and I've only heard parts of it, it is absolutely compelling. So tell us where you've been because you are a global leader. Well, I've I've had that opportunity, and uh, you know, it's interesting. Many of us, many of us, I think, end up in leadership and had no idea that was our trajectory until we we got there, and then we're figuring it out. Um, and then it's been a blessing these last years, especially to be able to mentor and pour into others. And actually, I think that's where I've found the greatest level of satisfaction has been actually in, in supporting others. But uh, my story in brief, kind of Reader's Digest version, uh, grew up uh, country boy, rural Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, uh, first jobs were you know, farm country and, and that sort of uh, uh, upbringing. And it was a uh, a Mayberry, you know, experience as, as a young boy. But then um, actually had an opportunity to um, work in the entertainment world. And that's that's a whole other story. But I uh, had some aspirations as a young man as, as a performer. And that did come to fruition. Uh, ended up um, doing some acting, singing. I was actually a magician, uh, illusionist for a, a few years. Ended up producing a variety show that toured uh, first the country and then globally. And now, at, concurrently with that, I always had an interest in education um, and um, and also Christian ministry. So I had finished an undergrad in theology and biblical studies, did a master's in education, um, and all at the same time during those years was traveling, performing on the road, and then producing. And that's where the leadership role uh, first began, was in, in leading a production company, and then working in a nonprofit organization uh, and was was managing that, actually started a production company, and so have kind of an entrepreneurial uh, background there for a number of years as well. Uh, toured globally. Uh, we won some awards and, and you know, kind of lived the, the on-the-road tour life that so many, you know, glamorize. Uh, would Glad for the experience. Don't really ever want to go back there. <laughs> it's a hard, it's a hard life. Um and and then um, I'm really condensing, but uh, had the opportunity to 
uh, get off the road, as it were. So I was on the road for about 20 years. And, and that also included speaking. I, I worked for a seminar company as a speaker trainer for years. That also I was their global vice president for development of, of those programs. But really wanted to get off the road and uh, ended up finally getting to use my education background, went into the classroom. And so I was a classroom teacher. Uh, in fact, many, well, when my first entry into formal education, I was uh, in college, I started as a music ed major. And so I had a background in music education, finally got to use that. And so I was a, a high school music teacher. And uh, then working in a Christian school, I was a Bible teacher as well and theology. And but got spied pretty quickly for leadership. And before I knew it, I was a middle school coordinator. And then I was a high school and secondary principal. And then I was an academic director. And then I had a, 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 an international school that pursued me and I was their first uh, uh, head of school for a new international school on the coast of Ecuador. Wow. And then in the years that have followed, I've been a head of school, a headmaster. I'm currently a superintendent uh, of a school here in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Village Christian Academy. And, um, and I have continued uh, over the years uh, working uh, as a mentor of others. I've been doing consulting for quite a number of years now and, and training and writing. And, and uh, so that it is kind of a mixed bag. But, uh, but yes, I've had the opportunity of now working with schools and clients, I think, in over 21 or 22 countries of wow. the world. And, um, you know, so really have the opportunity of kind of a global perspective. Very blessed to be associated with the Global School Consulting Group. Um, there's a team of about 20 world-class men and women, just an honor to be associated with. Uh, but if you've got folks that are listeners that are in, in school management, you really need to avail yourself of, um, of knowing about their services. And then uh, I've also... Um, I've been working with nonprofit groups and, and profit um, uh, organizations as well in leadership development, uh, organizational health. Um, you know, part of what I talk about a lot is how do we ensure mission fulfillment and well-being of our uh, of our organizations, and so there's there's one thing to be yeah mission focused. You know, our, our buddy Jim Collins you know talks about that a lot and good great and it's. That's, he's spot on, um, but we want mission fulfillment and well-being. Uh, and what we find is when work environments and cultures are healthy, profits are healthy. Bottom line is healthy. What we're producing is healthy. When when our employees and our our, our leaders. So I'm, I'm answering a lot there, but that's um, that's what I've kind of been involved in over the years, and has gotten us to. Uh, yeah, to where where I am and where we're working and talking today. It is so fascinating, and I I I, I wish that we had time to dig into some of the stories. I want to ask you questions about the countries you've been in and what you've learned from working there. But I want to stay focused. I I recently did a podcast, a solo podcast on what is needed by leaders to to lead well in 2022 because we know that a lot has changed my i always say though that strategies change but principles don't and i i feel like that is your book title trust trust ed and your and i and i have to 
applaud you. I know that you've had more than one article um, that you that you're a regular featured author in Forbes magazine, and I read an article that just came out recently in Forbes that talked about what's going on now, post-pandemic, and what is necessary for leadership. So trust, that's the heart of your message in your book, is, is as a number one requirement for leaders, right? Yeah, well, and, it, and, and it's not just opinion. So this, this is borne out in research as well as obviously personal observation experience. But, you know, you look at the research that comes out of the Eidelman Group. They do the trust barometer every year. Uh, and, and it just, it is the critical element. And there's other organizations, Trust, uh, trust Edge Leadership Institute out of Minneapolis. They, they re- produce a report every year. And you, and you see this, and I've seen it in the education sector and over and over again, the number one indicator of successful schools, successful organizations and businesses, and I would even say governments, is the level of trust. And, and so I'll use the schools because it's, it's the area that I work in the most, but when there are direct correlations between the level of trust and leadership and the retention rate of teachers. And here we're currently in the midst of the worst teacher shortage ever in the history of, uh, you know, of, of education. And when we look now, okay, this becomes even more critical than ever. If we want to retain quality teachers, we've got to ensure there is a high level, high level of trust that's going on between the school leaders, administration, and the teachers. Uh, also, in the world of education, we see there's a direct correlation between trusted leadership and student achievement levels. Direct correlation. Direct correlation between trusted school leadership and behavior issues. Actually, we found students behave better, (laughs) as do adults, by the way, in schools where the leadership is highly trusted. Uh, And it's it's a no-brainer. We know high levels of trust, you get high levels of volunteerism. You get high levels of community support. Um, And so there was a major study done on discretional energy. Um, Where do people use their discretional energy? Where do they invest their, their, their free time, as it were? Well, in those organizations in which they highly trust the leadership. So this is where we see, uh, again, in education, uh, teachers putting in extra time and effort because they feel well-supported. They can, they can be innovative. They can, you know, they, 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 people just hang out longer and, and invest more. Um, you find it in the business sector. What is the number one indicator of high levels of innovation? It's where there are high levels of trust because then the employee feels like, no, I, I, even if I fail at this, my boss is going to support me. And knowing that value is there just empowers them to get more engaged in trying to figure out how do we do this better. And so, yeah, trust is the indicator. And barely if I may, the thing that I find constantly is people will be, and even listening to us now, they're saying, oh, yes, of course, of course. They know it, but they are not doing anything intentionally about it. So I talk to school leaders all the time and say, oh, yeah, right, it's the number one. So then I say, okay, what are you doing professionally, development-wise, for your principals, administrators, and department heads? How are you intentionally increasing their level of trust? And they look at me with blank eyes and stares. Then they're like, uh, uh, what do you mean? Crickets, well, you're, yeah. you're pouring all kinds of PD dollars into making sure teachers have got the latest instructional or assessment strategies. What strategies and trainings do you have in place for your principals and department heads and superintendents that's developing their level of trust? 
Now, I know on the corporate side, in fact, I've sat in some of these meetings, um, you know, Fortune 100 companies spend tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars every year in that kind of training for their leaders because they know how valuable it is. But in, uh, in the, the small business world, in the school world, no, we, well, either you're trusted or you're not. There is nothing further from the truth. It is an intentional skill set that can be assessed and developed to drive business improvement, school improvement, organizational improvement. And we need to be intentional about it. It doesn't just happen. That was going to be my next next question. And that is absolutely fascinating what you just said, that it's an intentional skill set that can be developed. And that, that I heard, I heard you, you know, that the, um, Fortune 500 companies are spending the money to intentionally develop it. What can smaller businesses, what can education and nonprofits do to intentionally develop that skill set? What are some of the things? Well, first of all, you know, just uh, like, you know, any improvement strategy, assess. In fact, it was interesting. I was looking at school improvement initiatives at some studies that have been done on what percentage of improvement initiatives fail. And this number really hasn't changed for years. 70%. 70%. 70% of school initiatives fail. So then I think, okay, and, you know, with Forbes reaching out to me frequently, okay, I need to know what's going on in the business sector. So I went and looked at the business research. Guess what percentage of business initiatives fail? 70%. 70%. It's the same number. And, and then you look to, well, why? And, and most studies are talking about, well, it's failures in execution. And then when you dig deeper, it's, well, why do they fail in execution? It's because they lack trusted leadership. You know, and it all comes back again. So first thing, what do they need to do? Well, first they need to assess their level of trust. So in education, we talk about creating a baseline. Um, and there are assessment tools. I've, I've helped develop an assessment tool that a company called SchoolRipe uh, uses with schools around the world. We can actually assess the trust level of administrators and, and not just in education, but also in the business sector, where we literally, we do a 360 of employees about the leadership in six components of trusted leadership. In the book, uh, Trust Ed, we talk about a bridge. It's a metaphor to talk about these six components of interacting components because it's just like building a bridge. You've got to have a foundation of trust. You've got to have a, sub a substructure. There is a superstructure. There's a debt, etc. And all of these have um, connections to skill sets and competencies of trusted leaders. So start with, we've, we need to assess. Can you mention one or two of the skill sets or competencies of trusted leaders? Sure. So, uh, and, and if you'll permit, let, let me say two because you'll see how they connect together. So, a bridge, um, a trusted bridge has a solid foundation. Now, in leadership, when we talk about what are the foundational skills of trust, they're what we're talking about are values and beliefs. Are the values and the beliefs of the leader and the organization? Uh, are they articulated, first of all, are they known, um, and are they authentic, right? So, uh, so are they known, are they authentic, and these are true values and beliefs. And then we move to the substructures. The substructure of a bridge, it connects everything about the bridge to the foundation of the bridge. That's its function. Substructure of trusted leadership is about consistency, 
right? It's connecting and supporting everything we do to what we say we believe and what our values are. And this is often, Beverly, where trust is lost in leadership. As leaders have been hired or they've articulated, or maybe they're an entrepreneur, they're creating a business, and they say, you know, this is what I value, this is what I believe in. But then their practices and their protocols and their procedures are not reflective of what they say their values and beliefs are. Boom, you lose trust. You see this constantly when a a business owner or a a corporate leader will say, employees are our number one priority, right? You're, You're our number one. You're the essence of who we are. But that same leader has not secured a cost of living increase for his his employees for the last three years, right? I mean, th- those r- those words just ring hollow. You're not going to trust that person. That's that's how trust works. And again, that what we've learned through the research, there are six distinct components like that. That again, we can we can assess. We can look at okay, what are areas of strength? What are areas of weakness? And also. What's vitally important is to look at the leadership team because we also know uh, trusted leadership in any organization is not about just one individual. It is a team um, um, uh, activity, if you will. It's, a, it, it, it's accomplished through teams. So uh, much of the work of what we're doing is looking at, okay, do we have the right profile of people on the team? And that's what the assessment can do as well. It can identify, ooh, our next hire, our next promotion needs to be somebody who has this skill set or this piece of the bridge that we're missing. And, and finally, the, the other real value of assessment is transparency. And what we have found is just the act of leaders saying, evaluate me, saying to my employees, tell tell me how you think I'm doing. That act alone builds a greater level of trust. So trusted leaders are transparent. They're humble. I mentioned Jim Collins earlier. He talks in his level five leadership um, which is the highest level, is uh, these are individuals who are mission-centered. They're passionate about the mission, and they're humble, right? And they're, they're willing to listen to others, to take critique. Those are all skill sets that can be developed. They are. They are. And I love hearing you mention humility because I believe there is great strength in humility. And our, the, our world has often forced and it, and it's a it's still a choice, but it it uh, whether it, we're talking education, politics, government, uh, business, you know, there's this competition type of uh, pressure that that can easily tend to force people into thinking that uh, they have to pretend that they know it all can be all and there it, it erases uh, it erases humility so thank you for uh, for being clear on that you are obviously very passionate very clear very uh, I can see why you've been effective leading globally uh, because you you've got this vision that is communicated in the way you articulate let's talk a little bit about What's going on now in the current workforce and in the leaders of, um, so I have a key question. You know, let, let's just say uh, we've got this situation of a leader that steps into an organization that where trust has been violated. 
that there has not been the trust coming from the top down. Can trust be restored? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but there are some very intentional steps that have to be engaged in. In the book, uh, there's a, a chapter uh, that talks about repairing the bridge. And there are four research-based uh, steps or commitments, I call them in the book, that we have to make and carry through on. And then there's just, there are some practical uh, strategies that we can implement um, that help restore trust. Um, you know, one, uh, some of the work that I do uh, for organizations is, is basically policy review. So one of the things that we've learned is when we create policies or protocols in our organizations that are based on assumptions of distrust, we're going to get exactly what we, <laughs> what we ask for. Um, so one of the very first things to do is to sit and, and carefully look at how do we do business with our, with our employees? And do we have systems in place that are there because some employee in the past blew it? They did something inappropriate that we didn't like. So we now have a, a policy or a procedure in place that basically penalizes everybody else. And those kinds of protocols kill work cultures. So you want to build trust? Well, start by trusting your employees. One of the things we've found is uh, the more we trust others, the more they trust us. And, and if you can't trust your employees, then, well, you've probably hired the wrong people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right? so, uh, you know, it's that old phrase, hire well, empower well. So, uh, again, reflection, uh, it's another part of assessing, is, okay, let's assess our own practices and what can we either minimize or even get, a, get rid of when it comes to uh, our procedures and protocols within our our, our work environment to ensure that what we're working on, what we do is based on assumptions of trust. So that's, that's, that's one strategy. Another is, uh, especially when I have an individual who has, they've had a failure, they've, they've blown it. Uh, and very first thing is own it, be transparent and be very clear. Yep. I'm, I blew it. That was my mistake. And, and I own it. First part. Second part then is we'll often talk about, okay, what promises can you make that you can absolutely fulfill in the next few weeks and no longer than that? So think about a, a promise you can make to your employees that you can carry through on to their benefit or the organization's benefit in the next few weeks and then do it. Make a promise and keep it. And then the next step is what's the next promise you can make and keep it. Because trust is built through the repetition of making promises and keeping them. Make a promise, keep it. Make a promise, keep it. Uh, don't sit, you know, oh, in five years we're going to do this. No, that, that has no value whatsoever in, in what we're talking about here. Strategic planning, that may have value. But in the restoration of trust, no, it's all about little steps after little step after little step. What can you come through with? And those two strategies alone, Beverly, I've seen turn organizations around in relatively rapid amount of time. And, um, but that, that's, that's the type of work that we do with organizations that are looking to rebuild, or leaders who are looking to rebuild uh, and restore trust. 
I love the hope that you give when you, with your resounding, yes, it can be restored. I love that you have the, you know, the strategies in place and they connect directly to what you said earlier about the components of the bridge with the uh, consistency, with the alignment and congruency. All of this completely fits together. You know, it would be so easy for us to talk for another 30 minutes because I'm fascinated and I didn't mention to you that uh, one of the reasons that, you know, there were a lot of things that appealed to me about your story immediately, but I come from a family of educators and it was ingrained in me that education is the springboard for every other structure in our culture. You know, it's the springboard and and it's you have all of the formal education with the masters and the doctorates and what's what have you and I don't because I actually got uh, so involved in the entrepreneurial world that I committed to lifelong learning and I read an extraordinary amount of books and it is it is so exciting that we can keep up with change because of we can we can just continue to learn we can always continue to grow and there is always hope for a better future is there i have I have only covered uh, probably um, three out of seven questions that I I wrote down so I'm just going to cut to the chase and let you give us you know the heart of anything else that you want people to to leave here with you carry such an important message dr Travis is there something else that you just really want us to carry out of this podcast today? Well, really, we've already said it, Beverly, but I'll say be intentional. Um, Restoring trust, building trust, maintaining it, protecting it, it doesn't just happen. Uh, You have to be intentional and understand it's it's huge value. Why do 70% of initiatives and businesses fail? Because they don't intentionally address the trust issue. Um, The businesses who are succeeding, they all invest heavily in this. So, you know, it is the issue. And the same thing whether we're talking education, business, nonprofit, Christian ministry, um, government. I mean, you pick the, 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 uh, the, the industry or the sector and it still holds true. And, um, and that's, that would be kind of my, my last appeal is just, um, if you wonder why, oh, why didn't that work? Well, it's probably a trust issue and it is the, you know, the, the foundation to everything. Yes. And it even applies to personal relationships because really it's all personal. It really is all personal. It's all about relationships. I I know. Yes. So how can people get in touch with you? I, I I know that your book is on Amazon. Yep. Yes. And it's uh, on your trust website. Ed, okay. the, the Bridge to School Improvement, or just, uh, you know, put in my name, uh, Dr. Toby Travis, and it'll come up. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I think that's where you and I uh, probably initially uh, connected, LinkedIn. You can find me there. Uh, the website is trustedconsulting.org. Or again, just Google my name, and uh, it'll get you there. And uh, but thank you, Beverly, for the opportunity to, to pitch the book and, uh, and to invite folks to come my way. I always find it an honor to assist those that I'm able to. And uh, thank you. That is very clear. Your kindness, your humility, your compassion, your vision, your energy. I appreciate all of it so much. So, so thank you for sharing with your time with us today. And I always end with the truth that the best is yet to come.